You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here we go, episode 44 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy95, at Leafs Pod, at Hockey Pod Net. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup on the line. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on the season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action. DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain cold, hard cash. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for the players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings app and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in on the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN to get your free shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Monday, April 3rd is the date that we are recording this, and I'm joined by Brendan McCarthy. BMAC, how you doing, brother? I'm good, Kenny. It's actually May 3rd, buddy. What did I say? You said April 3rd. April 3rd. Goodness gracious. <laughs> you know what, man? A lot of clogged minds today <laughs> trying, to get, trying to get a vaccination. Let's not bury the lead because that is a, a, a yeah. global lead today. Yeah, no kidding. You're uh, just sitting in the online portal. It's just, just like uh, a virtual Hunger Games. Yeah, it, uh, honestly, in Ontario, like it's like Doug Ford's caught a lot of heat for this. I don't want to go down this road too far, but the vaccine rollout has been questioned in this province and uh, I've heard of similar experiences from what you're experiencing this morning. 
On a lighter note, though, Kenny, I'm officially a spa guy. I did get to experience uh, St. Anne's Spa in Coburg over the weekend. Huge, huge spa spas guy. open places? Yeah. It's a little hidden gem, and I actually took a little souvenir with me, a little diffuser, like kind of the aroma you get in a steam room. Kind of just puts you at ease when you're working or maybe when you're taking a nap, but it's great, man. Like... Maybe we can go together one time. I don't know. If you're, if you're <laughs> <laughs> but the the Leafs Pod Spa Date. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who needed is going to need a diffuser. Alex Edler. Yes. Oh my god! But <laughs> everyone was complaining that he's like, oh, like he's never had a fight in his career. It's like that was that was looming. And good for Wayne Simmons for finally throwing nucks and and stepping up, sticking up for Hyman. Yeah, it, it was. Uh... A foregone conclusion that that was going to happen. If you recall, after that game where Hyman got neat, all of Leafs Nation was going berserk, saying that there was no response and the Leafs needed to do something. And if you recalled in that podcast, I was like, I don't know what the hell Leafs Nation wanted anybody to do in that contest because Edler had been ejected and the rest of the team was coming off of COVID. Well, Alex Edler was back in this game for the Vancouver Canucks, and he had to answer the bell with Wayne Simmons. Uh, this was the polarizing points for basically talk radio at the end of last week because all of Vancouver was so upset by the fact that Wayne Simmons beat up Alex Edler. Wayne Simmons, you know, I don't know how many career fights he has, 78, 79 career fights. Edler, that was his first career fight. Uh, people were upset that Simmons made him answer the bell. To me... They're both big boys. Edler's a big boy. You know, he throws his body around. He's, I think he's like 6'3". Uh, he accepts the fight for Simmons and obviously felt the need to answer for the knee they threw to Zach Hyman. Whether you like the code or you don't like the code, I thought that this thing is just dead and buried now. That's it. Like, put it to rest. He answered for what he had to do. I think, thought that Simmons actually probably laid up on him a little bit. It probably could have ended up being worse for Edler. Um, but I don't understand the outrage around it. This is what we expect from Simmons. That was probably, what, his third fight this year? I mean, he, he fought Jordy Ben at the beginning of the year, but it's actually scary to watch this guy fight Kenny. Obviously, there's some like beefy guys in the league, like Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson, but his his reach and just when he throws Ooh. them, man, it's actually like, he just I get, like a gut-wrenching feeling. I'm like, if he connects like fully, like it's it's game over. Like it's it's... Yeah. Just because he's so lanky, too. But he's also just got so much power and strength that he will just lay you out with a punch. So, uh, again, talked about how important Hyman has been in this lineup. And Shilton was on our previous pod, if you haven't listened to it. Really, really good. Some A great story on Morgan Riley. And, you know, it's going to be interesting when Hyman does return, who gets lifted. And I was kind of thinking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Ilya Mikheyev, too. So, I don't know if we'll get a timeline... Maybe midweek seems to be a midweek update from Sheldon Keefe always, or it's just wishy-washy stuff. But I mean, at this point, with two weeks left in regular season, we got to know some timelines for some important players like Fred Anderson and, and Zach Hyman. No? Yeah, you would hope so. Uh, Hyman is the key cog. Um, hopefully, he'll be back for Game One of the playoffs. I wouldn't really expect to see him before then, uh, just because I feel like you want to give him the maximum amount of time to recover from the, I believe it was the MCL sprain in his knee. So you wouldn't want to rush him back at this point. You have the privilege of basically cruising into the one seed, uh, whatever home ice advantage 
means this year. Obviously, no fans in the stands in Canada, so I'm not sure what an advantage it'll be for one way or the other. Um, we talk a lot about team toughness, Brendan, and to me, that's what Simmons demonstrated. It wasn't a fight necessarily to show the Canucks what it was up, but it was a fight for his own bench to say, you know what, this is the sort of thing that you do when something happens to a key player in your lineup and you don't like it. You have to hold the other team accountable. I thought it was message sent, message received from the Leafs bench. Uh, They basically have just blown out the Canucks. This is what we were expecting probably the first time that they played the Canucks when they were coming off the uh, bout with COVID where the Canucks actually won both those games. This team has no legs now. Like Toronto basically just skated over them in both games. I believe the combined score was what, nine to two? Yeah, in in the two games, and they were resting resting significant players. There, Whether it's a, Jake Jake Muzzin, uh, Morgan Riley, yeah, like, there, there's Polino. key cogs, yeah, key cogs in the lineup who are getting a seat, and they just still just rolled over Vancouver. There's a term we use in the Sports Center newsroom when someone is waxed. overwhelmed. Well, there's <laughs> wax. That's 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 your that's your uh, that's, coin that's, term. That's mine, which I love, but it's called rinsed. You get rinsed, it means you got to, like, just say James Harden drops 61 points. You're getting rinsed that night, and that's probably a lead item of the show. The Vancouver Canucks got absolutely rinsed. And, you know, it was a great story. Like, their their first games back from battling COVID, and they steal two against the Leafs. Great. But they just, they, you could just tell as each game after that continued, just deflation, deflation, and then suddenly there's just there's no legs. Like they're just absolutely gas. It's disappointing considering the run they had last year, and then obviously you can't really, you know, blame them for what they went through. It's 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 terrible, and they missed a month. So it's just it's tough to see. But I mean, for the Leafs, it's just like we're gonna we're gonna come we're gonna come to Vancouver and eat. Sorry, boys. <laughs> yeah, or Vancouver's gonna come in here and we're we're gonna eat. Probably more specifically, uh, and you know, I feel for Travis Green in this situation. You saw him teeing off on the team uh, during a timeout on the game on Thursday. You can't use the excuse that everybody else is using that you don't have your legs and that the condensed schedule and you know you're recovering from COVID. It's like you're still an NHL team and you're trying to find some energy somewhere to get out there and play. And it, they obviously just don't have the legs right now. Uh, it's hard to watch. For from you know even from an opposition standpoint, watching this team struggle because they're going to struggle the rest of the way. They've got nothing to play for at this point. They're well out of the playoff picture. They're basically just rolling around like with no legs and just ready to get rinsed, as you said. Ottawa even leap each, each, each and every night. Like yeah, they're, it's, they're sitting dead last in the north. Yeah, they've got a bunch of games in hand, so I would still assume yeah. that they're probably going to jump over Ottawa. <laughs> Ottawa Senators fans, <laughs> Ottawa Senators fans were getting on me on Saturday. I saw night. that. I, I was, I was, I was, I was like, peeking through. I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, I, I simply just posted. Well, I just posted a picture of the uh, <laughs> of the North Division standings because after that win over Vancouver on Saturday, it solidified the fact that the Maple Leafs will have won the season series against every team in the division, no matter what the outcome is for the rest of the games down the way. I thought that was pretty impressive. And to be honest, something that Maple Leaf fans can hang their hat on, because assuming that everything goes according to plan here, the divisions are going to go back to normal next season. And we will likely never see a Canadian division again. 
So the lone, the lone champion of the Canadian division ever likely is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. And nobody will be able to take that away from them when you're talking about who the best team in Canada is. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. They demonstrated it this season by beating the Pulp out of every other team in the division, finishing in first place and cruising into the number one seed in the playoffs. Now it'll be all about demonstrating that once they get into the postseason and solidifying it by coming out as the best team in Canada and representing the Canadian division in the final four. Going back to your your, your little beef there with the, the Sens Twitter, which we, like, we're God. good buddies with, but man, <laughs> the, the, that Twitter account g- gives me headaches. And we know, we know the mastermind behind that Twitter account. But... You know, the difference is, Kenny, is they have weak talking points and we have beefy talking points. I mean, they can go off about Artem Zub's stats in the third period or goals for since February 1st. But or talk about the Leafs, you know, playoff faux pas over the last 14, 15 years, which is yeah. a favorite playlist a for everybody. Yeah. And yeah, you know they, what? They, just, they just post it and suggest, oh, you, you haven't had the playoff success. I'm like, well, yeah, glad you guys enjoyed that cup final appearance in. 2007 yeah exactly like and they'll, then they'll resort to the 2017 quick run as well yeah it's of course very, very impressive always. run uh what was it it was a game seven against pittsburgh basically yeah. like they, they almost they almost yeah. squeezed it in but this team is rebuilding now and i don't need to hear about how the toronto maple leafs are lucky about the fact that they'll have to play ottawa in the first round now, granted, do I agree that like Ottawa's playing better than Montreal right now? They are. But I don't think that it really matters who Toronto plays right now. I mean that respectfully to the rest of the division. I just think that they've demonstrated that they're playing at a much higher level, a much more efficient level. Austin Matthews continues to be the best goal scorer in the league now at this point. It seems like a foregone conclusion that he's going to win the Rocket. Uh, he Two more on Saturday night. The amazing goal with the swish and flick the other night that we were talking about in the last pod. He's just making goal scoring look so easy right now. 38 now on the year. He's going to get 40 almost certainly. And he's just having one of the best seasons in Maple Leaf history right now. Absolutely, man. And we talk so much about the two-headed monster in Edmonton. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have remained consistent all year. But Matthews and Marner as a, as a dual threat are turning it on at the right time. And players feed off of it. Jack Campbell, I believe Nick Felino was like, when those guys are buzzing, it just feeds the bench, and we just get that much more fired up. And I think this really kind of go, like goes back to that, you know, loss against Columbus. They were dejected in the postgame presser, you know, hanging their heads, confused, embarrassed, and that effectively lit a fire under their ass. And they realize in year five in the league, they are effectively the leaders on the ice. And they're really starting to show for it. it it's been incredible to watch. And they're just going to keep gunning. And the confidence is, is through the roof right now for those two. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what more they can do uh, down the stretch, of course, uh, just for individual feet purposes, but also in the playoffs because they're just continuing to get better together. This is another point that I'm going to tee off on other fan bases for a moment here. It's not Matthews' fault that he's playing against other teams in the North. It's not Matthews' fault that he's playing on the line with Mitch Marner. It's certainly not Austin Matthews. Well, it is Austin Matthews' fault that he's now 10 clear of basically the guy who's in second place in the scoring race for goals. 
Like, he's just having an outstanding year, and I'm tired of other fan bases making excuses for his dominance this season. It doesn't matter who's in goal on the other side. It doesn't seem to matter who's on defense. Like, people are acting like he's playing against AHL defenders. And although if you look, like, fine, if you want to look at the defense in the North as a whole, like, it's not as strong as it is in other, in other divisions. But basically every team has a bona fide top pairing that Matthews is seeing every night. And he's going out there and just dominating the competition. And for everything that you could say about the defense on the other teams, you could also say about the goaltending in the North Division, which has been statistically one of the best divisions in the league as far as the goaltenders on just a, a total basis, looking at every team. So he's just doing it like right now and making it look so easy. And I don't want to hear the excuses from everybody. Like, Marner is having an outstanding year as well, and the two of them have a chemistry. I, for the life of me, can't understand why Mike Babcock wouldn't play these guys on the same line together. Like, they, they're just a dominant force right now. And I, I, in the past, have said I would like to see Marner perhaps get a shot with Tavares to see if you can kickstart him. But also, at the same time, it's like, if you're going to just roll these guys out and they're going to produce one or two goals every night, then how can you break them up? They've just been outstanding this year. They've been two pit bulls, two angry pit bulls. And just uh, to wrap up that point, Matthews, I mean, he's taken on premier goalies, Carey Price, Connor Hallebuck, even Braden Holpe's in that mix. Mike Patrick Smith Demko. Is, Patrick Demko. Mike Smith has had spurts of excellence this year. So, yeah, it's, he's not like he's scoring on backup tendies or AHL tendies. But, Kenny, there's always going to be, you know, people. It drives me crazy. It, it, yeah, it just it gives my head a spin. And I'm tired of hearing it because it's just, it's baloney. Everybody's just upset because Austin Matthews is now becoming a more prolific goal scorer than perhaps even Maurice Richard. Ooh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Habs fans are uh, going to love that one. That's all right. No, no Montreal fans listen to this podcast. All right. Are you done? Are you done teeing off on the Canucks? Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to around the league. All right. Sticking in the Canadian division, um, you know, we've talked about awesome Matthews dominance and you know the heart trophy conversation is always going to be buzzing around and uh north of the border but it seems like at this point as much as I love Austin Matthews season they strung together the heart trophy seems to also be a foregone conclusion because the guy in Edmonton number 97 is on pace now for a hundred point season in yeah. 56 games and he's just dominating the competition. Um, did you see the goal the other night where he basically just comes circling around the back of his net and takes it coast to coast, basically takes on the whole team and finds the back of the net? He is a dominant force. It's it's so fun to watch, Like even though he's not on your team. It was remarkable to watch. I mean, it was actually really cool to see as well. I believe it was CBC tweeted out like a split screen of a Crosby goal back in 07 when he did a similar play, similar shot against, I believe it was Montreal. And it's eerily similar, Kenny. Love to see you, that. you should take a look, man. And I, I think like it's more like what he didn't do. Like he honestly just like knifed through the defense. The puck was just kind of like, obviously he's going to follow McDavid, it seems, every time. But the defense kind of got shook by it. He didn't exactly like make a, a move around the D. It just followed him. And then... He kind of did like a wave around like that, that souk wand around the puck, found him, and he goes 
shelf. Like it's just it's he's got the puck on the string, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it, it's outstanding to watch. Uh, there's now there's the conversations coming out comparing, you know, obviously the season that McDavid is having to all time greats. Uh, I believe basically he's on a point per game pace that puts him with in the same conversation as basically a lot of the late 90s Penguins, uh, Mario Lemieux, Yager, Yammer Yager, um, Ron Francis actually I think was on a similar pace in the 90s, and those Penguins and teams in the 90s were an absolute wagon. God. Uh, and the conversation is now starting. I saw like people arguing th- earlier this week about who they would take, whether it was Sidney Crosby, kind of in his prime, a la the time frame when you were saying, like basically when he was just dominating the league and, you know, 2008 earlier on in his career, 2010 Sidney Crosby, or Connor McDavid now. Now, I think the obvious answer for me is you have to take Crosby because Crosby was able to will his team to multiple Stanley Cups. But that's nothing, that's not necessarily even an indictment on the way McDavid's playing. He just doesn't have the supporting cast at this point. Where do you stand on that argument? I'm with you. It's undoubtedly Sidney Crosby. And, you know, you think back to 07, 08. Mario Lemieux left in 06. You know, Crosby's kind of getting his feet wet with the team. And then 09, they go to the Cup, lose to the Red Wings. The same teams meet in 2010, and they finally finish it off. So if I'm going to choose between what what player I want, and, and we're going era-wise, it's got to be Crosby all day. Yeah. And th- like I said, that's not an indictment on McDavid at all. No. I just think at this point, when you look at the playoff success, it's it's hard not to go with Crosby because McDavid hasn't have it, had it. And that's not necessarily his fault. Crosby obviously had a better supporting cast, uh, but similar teams, to be honest. Like kind yeah. of like a one-two punch. Uh, Crosby had Malkin. McDavid obviously has Drysaddle. The difference is, is that outside of that, the Oilers really have nothing, which we've discussed ad nauseum to this point in the year. Um, I want to get your thoughts on two other teams in the division who are on a little bit of a slide at the moment. Let's start with Montreal. Um, they're basically a train wreck. Uh, also, should say congratulations to Cole Caulfield, who gets the OT winner for the first goal of his career. <laughs> Did you see that his nickname is actually Bilbo? Dude, he looks like a hobbit. Like, he could be an understudy <laughs> for, for a, a, a hobbit film. It's crazy. This guy's like 5'2". I didn't realize how small he was. He's a like, little he, guy. He, he, he's actually like 5'6", or something like that. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a small dude, but a ferocious, ferocious competitor. And, I mean, that is what Montreal re- needs right now is a bit of a scoring punch. I mean, I, we talked about it before, like they are just facing a litany of injuries up front right now. Carey Price also on the back end is is uh, facing an injury as well of his own. But, you know, you mentioned on a previous pod, like perhaps, you know, that they could be kind of rushing him in. And the first few games, you know, he's kind of getting his feet wet, but he, he's proven to, to keep up with the NHL pace. And, you know, surely that's just going to burst his confidence through the ceiling after potting an OT winner uh, at Bell Center. I was not surprised to see him get the goal in OT. I think that this is the kind of play, or this is the play format that's going to benefit Caulfield the most when he's got a lot more time and space out there. Uh, I don't know who missed the check. I believe it was Tim Stutzla, who basically was the guy who let Caulfield go. I was surprised, actually, to see how much room he had. Like, nobody was covering him on the back door on that. So you would expect 
someone who's been an established goal scorer at every level to put that one on the back of the net. But nonetheless, getting the first one is probably the most difficult one. So to get that off your back, uh, the Habs fans were very happy to see that. And they really needed that win because Montreal has been struggling. We were talking about all their roster problems. Uh, missing Gallagher, uh, yeah. Carey Price was out for a while, Jonathan Duran obviously taking a leave of absence from the team. These are important players to their lineup, but let's not like make it out like Brendan Gallagher is Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. Like He is the heartbeat of this team, but you got to be able to find a way to win without him. You do. And that that's where the the five on five chances are, are lacking. Even with him in the lineup, he's not gonna you know pr- provide like a, an absolute scoring touch. Obviously, like a Matthews or McDavid. He's not like a game breaker. No, he's, but he's, I mean, he's the kind of guy that drags people huge. into the fight. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like we're also like Dano, Tatar, like a lot of these guys. Hopefully, are, are back in, in time for the postseason. But you just they have a, a level where they can like compete for a little bit with with teams like Edmonton and Toronto. But then it's just flat. It's like we can't we can't produce anything else. Five on five, and then obviously the the most lethal offense is going to take over. So I think they're obviously going to be a scrappy team, and you know give people headaches in the first round. Likely Toronto. Likely Toronto. It's 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 probably an, an easy an easy dub for for Toronto, considering they just can't compete with them five on five. Simply put, and right down the middle of the ice. Like and how important that is that position we talk about it all the time. Montreal just doesn't have the firepower no. to match up with Toronto. And it, you know, to to be fair, like John Tavares is really rounding into form right now. Sheldon Keefe the other night was very comp- complimentary of Tavares, suggesting that sort of the overall you know hardworking team mentality, uh, the team defense, the team toughness, just the overall work ethic of the team that we've seen this year that we haven't seen in past years, Keefe was basically saying that that's all Tavares. Like, it's it, it basically the way that he plays the game, and his teammates have adapted that. Uh, you bring in other key veterans who know how to play the game properly, whether it's Simmons, whether it's Thornton, whoever else you want to throw into the conversation, Jason Spezza, uh, this team is playing with a much more of an edge this year, and they're playing harder defensively, they're playing tougher, and that's going to be difficult for whoever they match up with in the first round. The Winnipeg Jets are also on a terrible, terrible slide right now, Brendan. Um, they lose Ehlers, and my God, like the wheels have fallen off the bus out there. Like They've got to be having absolute meltdowns in Winnipeg. I talked to my dad the other day who actually lives out there, and he's like, yeah, this is uh, – <laughs> people are not taking this well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to even say they're sliding yet. Obviously, on paper they are, but th- this is a team that will just like – most likely now as it stands limp into the playoffs and then flip flip the switch and they're just going to have to deal without Ehlers again like obviously he's a better player than Gallagher but he's not your whole team you still have considerable center depth you got great leadership in in Blake Wheeler like it's he's not your be all end all guy it sucks that you lost him but but they've lost six in a row now you got to adjust so yeah I, I agree it's like still a tough out in the playoffs that's not why I'm saying but this is not the time of year that you want to be losing six in a row, you know, being ice cold heading into the playoffs. And yeah, I, although, I guess so. And it's like we talk about how Gallagher's importance to the Montreal lineup. Certainly, Ehlers is a much more talented player for Winnipeg. But you have to be able to find a way to win without these guys. And neither Montreal or Winnipeg has been able to do that. 
it stinks, man. T- two teams in the Scotia North are are rolling, and two are reeling, and it's it, it just I don't know. I, I like it. it's weird because Winnipeg has always always been a threat, and they they've also had considerable uh, bat, poor luck in the playoffs as well. Like last year, they were booted in the playing round, uh, similar to Toronto, right? They yeah. they didn't even. They didn't even get a sniff at sniff at the first round, but well, I feel like they they were ago, cup they contenders. Final. Yeah, I think like, in 2017 cu- they went to the conference final. Maybe yeah, they were like cup contenders a couple of years ago. It seems, yeah. and you know, obviously they've had to revamp the whole decor because basically you have Myers leave. You had you know Truba basically force his way out into Bufflin. New York. Uh, Bufflin, who was supposed to play, <laughs> just that basically was, just was like. Just didn't show See up. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of like uh, I'm just gonna, you know, get on my horse and ride off into the sunset. Just wants to spend his time fishing in Lake of the Woods, which, yeah, whatever, man. He's had a tremendous career. He's obviously a Cup champ. So, what, what else does he have to play for if he doesn't want to? But they just haven't been able to rebuild that decor to this point. Some really nice pieces there. Uh, Pionk has been outstanding for them on the back end, and they've got a number of young prospects, but. Certainly, they would like to turn this slide around before they head into the postseason here because it hasn't been pretty at all for this group. Let's go to the bar. All right, Brendan, who you got? I'm going with uh, George Springer. Matches uh, his first home. Well, he had two, but uh, first home run as a Blue Jay, finally. I feel like collectively Blue Jays fans and management can just breathe a sigh of relief because they're so back, so back and forth with this guy. He was dealing with an oblique injury, a quad strain. I feel like every time he tries running to first base, something's still bugging him. So they're managing, you know, his, his playing time. They want him at DH for now, not in the outfield, just to manage his load a little bit. But man, it's it's certainly exciting to see that our prized uh, acquisition in the offseason is starting to is starting to show up. I'm excited to see what what else he can do. Yeah, Springer. It's nice to see him. Uh, make his return to the Blue Jays lineup. This is obviously the crown jewel of free agency. Uh, basically the biggest signing of almost any team in the MLB in the offseason. And he's going to be essential to this group moving forward. Uh, obviously a tough start for the year for him, where he's had to miss extended amounts of time due to an injury he sustained in the preseason. But nice to see him return to the lineup, and hopefully he can make his return to playing center field consistently for the Blue Chase, because this is a guy who can influence the game not only offensively with his bat in the leadoff position, but also on the defensive end as well as one of the best center fielders in the game. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm going with Malcolm and Joel Glazer. So I don't know if you're familiar with who these two guys are. They're basically the American investors who own the majority stake in Manchester United football team. I don't know if you saw what was going on in Manchester yesterday, BMAC. But Chaos. Oh, <laughs> I caught the highlights. That's about oh, it. Goodness. Wow. Like, like the Manchester United fans are irate at the the creation of the Super League and basically like they're just trying to push this ownership group out. Yesterday they had a massive protest like social distancing out. Like the Manchester United fans headed to Old Trafford 
and ended up, you know, protesting to the point where they had to cancel their game against Liverpool, which is going to be an expensive proposition, I would expect, for everybody involved because there's television contracts. That's a premier matchup in the best division of English football. And they had to cancel the game. There was players on the pitch. They were throwing, you know, flares all over the place. It was a messy, messy sight in at Old Trafford, Trafford yesterday. And these guys are going to have to be thinking, we need to figure out, you know, what we're going to do with this team. They might have to sell, honestly. Be they mad, might, Because I, I think that the pressure right now from the fan base is indicating that that's what they're going to have to do. And to be fair, they have basically tripled down on their investments since they bought the team. The team is competitive now. It certainly seems like they're going to make another Champions League bid uh, at the end of this season. So like, if you're going to sell, it's not as if they're going to be losing any money. Yeah, I was nervous watching that yesterday. I mean, like, just, there's so many injuries as well. I think some police officers were, like, seriously, seriously injured. And obviously, you know, with fanatic footy fans like that, they're just going to do whatever they want. Like, they're just... Whatever they're they nuts. want. Nuts. Like, compared to hockey fans, man, soccer fans. Like, I wouldn't... That's one of the reasons why, like, I was like the Canucks fans after they game. lost game seven. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it just gets <laughs> out of hand. Like it's it's way too much, man. It, oh like, man! It, it it even makes Montreal fans in the playoffs look innocent. Like it's it's crazy how how off the rails they go. But like BMO Field doesn't even get that crazy. No, like you've been to a couple. I, games, I love right? a T. Yeah. I love a TFC game. Yeah, we were we've been to a, a number. We were at a couple of the MLS finals where they were playing Seattle. Like yeah, I, yeah. I love I love going to TFC games. I think but it's the best. Like, audience of the city that's even dumbed down compared to european fans ardent fans like they're not like you know rebels or anything where they're just like throwing crap all over the field like you imagine that happening in toronto like just bmo or toronto fc fans just charging bmo field and just reckless chaos takes over like man if you want if you want a party head over to liberty village on a tfc game day if they're playing on like a sunday you head there in the morning find any pub at like 10 a.m. It's just going to be completely filled with Toronto FC fans who are just getting absolutely plastered, getting ready for the game. Yeah, they are trying to get pickled and get to BMO Field. Like the walk to the stadium is a a sight to behold because they have some ardent supporters, to use your words, in Toronto. But man, it still doesn't compare at all to the European football fans. and. These guys were right pissed off. I'm going to say rightfully so because their management group basically has made the franchise a laughing stock to the rest of the world. And, you know, I'm glad we've talked about it before. I'm glad that the Super League kind of got the cord pulled out on them. But now these ownership groups who were basically being treasonous behind closed doors have to answer for what they were trying to do to the rest of the teams in the division, what they were trying to do to their fan bases, and what they were trying to do to their players. Like these players were likely not going to be able to compete for their national teams. And why, how is that fair? Like there was just no regard. It was just a complete cash grab. And I don't blame the man United fans at all. And the Glazers are certainly going to be uh, drinking straight out of the bottle right now, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Literally out of the bottle. Out of the bottle. They, they got a bottle of maker's mark in hand, Kentucky bourbon. I'm assuming that they're like somewhere in the Southern United States. Just sitting there watching this from afar, just thinking, my goodness. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's some weeks where it's just strictly a drink at the library bar, but in this case, it's it's a full bottle. bottle. It's a full <laughs> bottle, it's, and it's justified too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my my goodness. All right, buddy, what you got on the docket for the rest of the day? You try and get jabbed, man. That's my that's my plan. I'm off today, so it's, uh, it's hey, good congrats. Time. It's good timing to get registered. Do you, do you live in a hot spot in Toronto? Is that what's do, going on yeah. here? I do. Yeah. Yeah. M five V. M5V. I fall under that postal code. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not in a hot spot. I live in more residential East Toronto, so still have to wait in line at the moment. I believe my sister signed up though, Good. for for her vaccination. So proud nice. of her for doing that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's we're getting some encouraging signs here. Now, we certainly are. That we're, when we when I start hearing like people like our age are starting to get vaccinated, I'm like, okay, like Here's now we're now we're starting to get somewhere where it's not just you know. 65 plus which i yeah. agree with the rollout but i don't know anybody 65 plus so, like, no, <laughs> so it's like so so it's like i'm not hearing about anybody who's like actually getting it it's like i just yeah. see the people posting it on social media or whatever so certainly encouraging that uh we're trying to figure this thing out but the rollout could have been a little bit smoother my goodness and remember ken you haven't got vaccinated if you haven't posted a picture of you post vaccination yes. or it hadn't happened it doesn't happen you have yeah, to post it, it. Yeah, it's obligatory. <laughs> hey, I, I don't even hate on that because I was actually thinking about this. It's like there's so many people who are like anti-vax. I feel like it actually is kind of like a positive thing, especially for people in the media to actually put it on the forefront and be like, listen, like I'm doing this, like I'm doing my part right now because that's ultimately what it's about, right? It's like everybody like that gets vaccinated is like helping out the entire unit, like the ecosystem that we have established in society by trying to flatten the curve. It's you're helping the frontline workers, the ICU workers, big shout out to them because it's been a struggle for them and everybody needs to do their part and just like, go, go get the shot. I know people have different opinions on it, but at least that's where I stand. So yeah, proud of you, buddy. Uh, I'm heading off to the brewery now, sell a couple beers, sell a couple of bottles of wine, nice casual Monday, eat a little bit of a, hong kong style street food you gotta check it out nice. we got some awesome yeah we got some awesome uh some awesome bows they call them they're like little sandwiches Sweet. at the brewery yeah fried chicken uh jerk chicken bow outstanding oh we'll have to, we'll, we'll have to get you out to the try. patio yeah when i owe you the ipa maybe i'll toss a I bow will, in there because i'm a nice guy i will be there with bells on <laughs> thank you for listening to episode 44 of leaf spot we'll catch you next time